Trek Geeks is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles, with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets, our pins have character. This is Robert O'Reilly, Chancellor Garon, on Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little podcast this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Glory to you and your house. From the secret Podfleet Command outpost near Galorndon Core, it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages. Welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast in episode number 208. It is exciting to be here. We're so thankful that you've downloaded us and, and chosen to listen. We hope you enjoy what uh, the conversation we have for you today. And by we, I do mean my co-host and I. He is somebody who I would have loved to have dropped into a Riemann mine um, and just left there knowing that someday the sun was going to go Nova Ah, to dream. But anyway, he's Dan Davidson and he's here to to go through the the topic of conversation with me now, my illustrious co-host buddy. Glad to have you here, I think. Wow. Um, Joe Landrew to you too, pal. Goodness gracious, dropping in a remote. Well, then maybe I'd be cloned and I'd take over the Empire and then try to drop all the red radiation on everybody. I don't know. It could happen. Have you seen you? <laughs> wow. Such a... Okay, it's going to be this way. All right, people, the gloves are off. We are here. We're going to talk today. We're going to have a little fisticuffs, Bill and I, back and forth. Now we do that all the time. I'm just kidding. It's good to be here like it always is, man. Uh, we got a fun conversation. Uh, you kind of you kind of teased it about a little bit. I've kind of teased about it a little bit. And we're going to talk uh, a specific race on uh, today's episode of Trek Geeks. Very excited because it's it's uh, a race that we have not really talked about much. But now that Picard has uh, kind of focused in on it, it's time. So Romulans, <laughs> it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. How about you? I am. I had to, sorry, I had to pause to take a picture of my dog because she's sleeping next to me right here. And her paw is literally up covering her back paw. Hind paws literally up covering her face. So sorry, I missed half of what you said. What are we talking about today? Um, it doesn't matter what you were doing. You usually uh, miss everything that I say because you just don't care. We're going to actually talk about the Romulans today, Bill. Are you prepared to do that? Did you get ready? Did you do a little show prep? Uh, what's your name? 
<laughs> exactly. Yes, it's going to be fun. Oh, well, uh, Dan, I actually am prepared. I, I love the Romulans. Uh, some may recall uh, who may have listened to John Gregorian's Trek Profiles podcast that I cited them probably as my favorite alien race in Star Trek um, for reasons which we may explore today, Mon Frere. In the meantime, how can the good folks listening to this here podcast tell us about their favorite alien race? Well, it's pretty easy. If you're looking to get in touch with us, you can head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and there you will find a plethora of ways to communicate with your two favorite geeks. Let's see. There's Skype chat. There's email. There's a giant blue button over on the right-hand side of the screen that you can click on and uh, record your own voice using SpeakPipe. Whatever way you want to contact us, just make it so, because we love hearing from you. Plus... There's also the most positive Star Trek group on Facebook. It's called Camp Kittimer. It's the official group of Trek geeks, and it's where over 1,600 other friends gather to talk Trek. It's always positive, and we never allow any bash-ing or gatekeep-ing ever over there. To join the group, head on over to facebook.com groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, Sarah, and Dan, for the amazing job they do running the camp. Also, please remember that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Bill, back to the studio! Thank you, Dan. It's great to be here today. Looking forward to today's topic. And, of course, we do want to remind people that if you happen to be in or around the Concord, New Hampshire area on Sunday, April 26th, we are doing a special live recording of this podcast to benefit a fantastic charity. Trek Geeks Live um, will occur at the Bank of New Hampshire stage on Main Street in downtown Concord uh, that night at 8 p.m. And all to benefit Granite State Dog Recovery, a great all-volunteer organization. None of their folks receive any pay whatsoever, and they uh, help reunite lost dogs with their families and also help care for stray dogs. So uh, for more details, you can hit trekgeekslive.com, and you can bring some raw vegetables to throw at Dan. And here's a little sneak peek of something that you might hear at the live event. Just a little one. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Anyway. Okay. Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. Spanning the Alpha Quadrants. <laughs> For all the news on all the Star Trek's, yo. It's treknews.net. Well, that was oh, a little yeah, fun. 78 RPMs there for some reason. I'm not sure. Wow. Why. Wow. Online at treknews.net. What was the, the whole... Were you imitating my, my little holocron over there? I was trying to. That and a little Transformers action going on. I was transforming oh. into a musical instrument, and I failed terribly. <laughs> At some point, are you going to trans- transform into a human being trying to do a podcast? Why not? <laughs> First for everything. Or why bother? One or the other. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, Dan, I'm sure the listeners love to hear that. Up first, uh, we are neep deep in season one of Star Trek Picard. I'm, all, I'm just reading the copy the way it is. <laughs> We're knee deep in knee deep in season one of Star Trek Picard, but of course, don't forget there's a new season of Discovery coming up real soon. 
I'm really not sure why Spelljack didn't get that. But anyway, yes, there is indeed, Bill. Uh, it appears that the filming for uh, season three of Star Trek Discovery has wrapped. Several folks from DSC recently tweeted or Instagrammed out that season three was a wrap, including actor David Ajala, co-show runner Michelle Paradise, and episode five and eight director, a guy by the name of Jonathan Frakes. Also on Twitter this weekend, a new image of the cast of Discovery was seen standing together on a hill which had what looked like a tattered futuristic flag of the United Federation of Planets. While there's no specific release date for Season 3, we anticipate it'll be sometime soon after Season 1 of Star Trek Picard wraps up. And I'm going to guess sometime in May, my friend. But uh, looking forward to it. The first trailer that they sent out looked pretty interesting. So uh, we will see what happens oh so many years in the future, my bud. Well, this, uh, that promo art that you talk about actually was yanked by CBS. Yikes. So it got, in, it got included in a survey sent to some all-access subscribers. Uh-huh. It hit Reddit. It then hit Facebook. Uh-huh. Um, I shared it to Camp Kittimer at one point. And then I was actually contacted by the person who originally posted it on Reddit, asking me if I would mind taking it down because CBS had asked them if they would. Interesting. Okay. So since we have been in that situation with CBS before where they have very nicely asked us if we would take down an image because it wasn't meant to have been released yet. I said, okay, sure, I can respect that, and the image got pulled down from Camp Kittimer. So right now I'm holding up my Neuralizer from the uh, Men in Black movies, and I'm about to flash the entire listening audience, and you will forget what I just talked about. Done. Who is this? Hi. Who who are you? Huh? Boba Fett. Where? Where? (laughs) <laughs> but uh the images are pretty cool and yeah it is a sort of the new federation flag and tatters that same flag you've seen in the uh in the teaser trailer mm-hmm. that came out from uh uh new york comic-con i think it was somewhere around there sometime new york i don't know yeah new york whatever who cares new york sucks uh also dan uh new star trek is always a good thing you know and in addition to all the new stuff we currently know about there is now new information about even more Trek headed our way. More Trek is good. Yes, sir. Let's see. We have Discovery. We have Picard. We have Short Treks. We know about Section 31, Lower Decks, and the new yet-to-be-named Nickelodeon animated series. And now we know that there are two, yes, two more series in development as well, uh, as a new Star Trek film is also announced, and uh, more Picard novels. Very cool stuff. Viacom CBS recently said on social media, quote, on the heels of Star Trek Picard on CBS All Access, which broke our records for total streams and subscriber signups, we are now taking the Star Trek franchise and extending it across the house, end, end quote. They also went on to say that building on Discovery and Picard, we now have two additional series in production at CBS All Access and at Nickelodeon. And two more series in development, plus a series of Picard novels being rolled out at Simon Schuster and a highly anticipated new Star Trek film at Paramount Pictures. Pictures. Pictures? Pictures. Let's go go with it, yeah. Okay, so lots coming up, buddy. Um, No real details about uh, the new movie yet. There's speculation that it's going to be the recently rumored Noah Hawley film and not the earlier often discussed Quentin Tarantino film. So we'll see, but... More Star Trek is good Star Trek, and good news for me and you, I think. I think that the uh, Tarantino film is probably dead in the water and ought to be. Mm. Um, I think the Noah Hawley film will uh, will probably win the day, um, and who knows what direction he's going to go, and it may not even involve the, the Kelvin Timeline cast from what I've read. I don't know, but that's all, again, speculation, because nobody knows anything, including us. 
I know nothing. I never have. I'm going to cart that off as a separate wave file to use as a notification. <laughs> Finally, Dan, you know, there's always room for a little bit of self-promotion from time to time. But I think that this announcement is going to make some of our listeners very happy. I know I'm happy about it. Um, I have already placed an order. <laughs> so, um, yes, uh, Bill and I are very happy to announce that we are going to have a whole bunch of new T-shirt designs available soon. It is the all-new Trek Geek Shop powered by Public. There's already a couple of snazzy-looking logos available to choose from, and we'll be adding more in the coming months from other shows on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Very excited, very cool. Just head on over to shop.trekgeeks.com and start placing your orders right now. Right now. Now stop listening. Hit pause. Go to shop.trekgeeks.com. Place your order. Come back. And we'll start again. Okay, I'll be right back. Bye. No. no. <laughs> so we have the new uh, the new Podfleet Command emblem, which looks pretty great. Yes. Um, it's a, uh, a sort of takeoff on a, uh, a an emblem that some people might recognize, and that's all I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And um, we've we've got a sort of a, a different kind of logo shirt out there for for the network, which is really good. With with more stuff going to be added uh, uh, somewhat routinely. So, uh, but yeah, we're we're very excited that uh, to have a, a shop on T Public. Um, better quality at T Public, oh. better pricing at T at Public over the old, old site, mm-hmm. and uh, I think people are going to be pretty, pretty, pretty pleased. I got to tell you, the quality is amazing. My wife, I got my wife the uh, the new Potfleet Command looking shirt that you just mentioned, or the logo you mentioned a few seconds ago, and it's the really soft material of that T shirts that I that I really like in T shirts. So uh, I sported mine on the Trek Tuesday photo this week out on social media, and and I'm very excited about all the different possibilities that we're going to have with uh, T Public. So head on over there, shop.trekgeeks.com. You're gonna love it. Well, you know, lots of podcasts have sponsors, and and we do too. We, however, are just lucky that they're dear, dear friends of ours and also giant Star Trek fans to boot. Of course, I'm referring to the amazing people at Fansets and their truly staggering line of pins and accessories that are available now over at Fansets.com, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. They are great people. Staggering line. I like that word, staggering line of pins. Uh, they just put out an amazing product. It's as simple as that. Whether it's Star Trek or the DCU or Harry Potter or a whole bunch of other genres, their attention to detail is simply second to none. And it shows in every single pin they create. And they know what fans want. Case in point, the Starfleet Delta and the Starfleet Visitor pin recently seen in Star Trek Picard and, and also the pins that were given to folks who attended the, uh, the premiere in L.A. These pins are going to be available for everyone, everyone in the world over at Fansets.com very soon. Like, oh, I don't know, maybe sometime between March 21st and March 30th. I'm just throwing that out there <laughs> as, a, as a possibility. You can actually pre-order yours right now, so don't delay. Head over to Fansets.com. They are going to sell out, so get over there right now and order those pins, man. Great news as always, man. I mean, also, starting March 1st, Travis Mayweather from Enterprise will be available. And that's not all. The Discovery episodic pins for episodes 9 through 11 from season 2 of Star Trek Discovery. All available March 1st, fansets.com. 
isn't that? I, I just I that's a there's a lot of pins there, man. I am going to declare bankruptcy because of fans that stuff. <laughs> I'm telling you that it's going to be like The Office. I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> no, no. Well, well, you know what, Dan? You might be able to stave that off because, as always. Trek Geeks listeners can re- receive an amazing 15% off their entire order at fansets.com, and it's really easy to do. Go on over to their website, put a whole bunch of stuff in your cart, and then at checkout, enter the exclusive discount code JOLANTRUE. That's J-O-L-A-N-T-R-U, in all capital letters with no spaces. That code will get you 15% off everything you get at fansets.com. Now, this bonus code will be available until Wednesday, March 4th, 2020, at midnight Eastern Standard Time. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. The shame your face doesn't have any character? None. None at all. Just a big slate. You're Mr. Slate? (laughs) Wow, that was pretty good. Good reference there, Fred. Thanks. (laughs) I'm more of a Barney type. Nay! Oh, wait a minute. That's Yogi. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're an idiot yeah right. this is all staying in the patreon that, version that, that's fine i like it <laughs> yeah hey fred <laughs> there we go <laughs> I'm, you, I'm surprised you didn't come back with hey boo boo <laughs> <laughs> that's basically yogi bear is for the flintstones in bear form they really are yeah mr. ranger isn't gonna like this yeah mr ranger was mr slate Wow, you just changed my world. I don't know if I like you anymore. <laughs> anymore? Yeah. Wow, all right. Well, young Daniel, we young. gather here this week. I know young was a stretch. I was trying to be kind to you because I'm about to spend the next uh, however many minutes talking to you, and it's it's hard enough to tolerate that. But uh, okay, old Dan. Yeah, thank you. Which is wow. kind of like old man. That was kind of mean. Well, <laughs> hey, I gave you young Daniel and you bitched, so... <laughs> Um, we gather to talk about uh, what I listed as one of my, probably my favorite alien race on the Trek Profiles podcast, mm-hmm. and that is the Romulans. Yeah. There's been a renewed interest in the Romulans with the Highly. advent of Star Trek Picard, and we're, although we're not going to talk about a whole lot of spoilers uh, about this, you might want to catch up on Star Trek Picard just to be safe in case we drop a couple of nuggets as a warning. That's a good idea, because um, it's very uh, Romulan-centric. Um, I don't know if that's Very. a good way to put it, yeah. but okay. Um, yeah, we don't want to go away spoilers. It might happen. So you, ye have been warned, yo. Okay, I'm just going to put that right out there right now. Don't give me any crap about the yo. I'm sorry. It slipped out. <laughs> anyway. Ye have been warned, yo. Yes, I was thinking, that. what's that river with the, the, the river sticks and ye have been warned, yo. Abandon all hope, ye who enter here. It's pretty much when we start recording every week. I think that. I just kind of wanted to throw that in for this talk about there could be spoilers. Yet you keep showing up. Uh, I'm, yeah, I know. Well, you pay me well. <laughs> I don't pay you anything. That's you're you're just dumb. I'm just here for the fun. <laughs> what, what does that start? It's 208 episodes. We've yet to have that happen. So uh, the Romulans, clearly um, mm-hmm. an original uh, alien foe for, for our Starfleet crews of, of various generations, first introduced in the original series. And I would say that that introduction at the time um, was very surprising, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Of course, um, 
one of the best episodes of TOS. A lot of people voted one of the best, Balance of Terror, and first look at the Romulans, and people are like, huh, that guy looks like Spock. And, you know, you have to wonder, and, and I haven't done, I've probably done the reading, but I don't recall it off the top of my head right now. Did they just decide to do that because they really didn't have the budget for different kind of makeup? So they said, let's just throw some pointed ears and we'll kind of, we'll kind of start this whole discussion that the Romulans are an offshoot of Vulcan or, or was it just a whole big grand plan that they had back in the late sixties? I think it was just part of a plan. I think somebody came up with the idea, hey, what if we introduced an alien race that looked like the Vulcans but weren't? Mm. Um, and I want to say it was Paul Schneider. Um, the, he was a freelance writer who conceived the concept and exactly how it became the Romulans we know. Uh, I'm sure he's on Memory Alpha, but um, it, it's uh, it, it wasn't. I don't think it was something they backed into. Let's put it that way. Okay, it's a long. It's kind of along the story that that we've we've told here on the show in the past is that when uh, John Colico sat down to become a Klingon, they had no clue what the makeup was going to be as he was sitting in the chair. So it was just something that kind of popped into my mind with the Romulans. But yeah, great introduction for this race, um, and really not a lot of Romulans to see during TOS, only a couple of times, but each time it was on, it really worked. Oh, absolutely. And I think the response from fans shows that it worked. You know, they went back to the well with the Romulans a couple of times, um, probably most notably in one of my favorite TOS episodes of all time, the Enterprise incident. Yes. Uh, where you get the introduction of the Romulan commander, which was just such a great foible for Spock. Mm -hmm. um, you get that tension, and she's really attracted to Spock, and he's just sort of playing it cool because you don't know he's undercover. But yeah, that, that sort of subterfuge quality is something that just permeates Romulan culture. So in order to beat the Romulans, Spock had to be a little Romulan. Absolutely. That's when, whenever, you know, I have some adjectives that I wrote down in my notes for our discussion, and the first thing I wrote is spies and conniving. That's kind of what they do. It's it's yeah. their whole thing. You know, we'll get into the military aspect of it and stuff like that. But every single episode you've ever seen with the Romulans, whether it's TOS or going forward into any of the series, they're always doing something behind the scenes. They're always up to something. They're never really telling the truth, but kind of twisting it in a way. And and it's amazing that that type of of background for the Romulans has held up for 53 plus years. You know, it's amazing. You say 53 plus years. I really just started reading uh, the new Star Trek Picard novel, The Last Best Hope by Una McCormick. Mm -hmm. And of course, it is very Romulan heavy because it ties directly into the events of Star Trek Picard. And they are written so wonderfully deceptive and xenophobic in that book that uh, that book alone could have been its own series quite frankly, because it is just fantastic. I haven't read it yet. I'm looking forward to it. I've heard nothing but great reviews. You actually sent me a message while you were driving home the other day because you were listening to Chapter 1, and you you were just blown away by it. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. All of all of the stuff that Una does is just fantastic. So having this tie into Picard and that history um, should be pretty cool to, uh, uh, to either listen to or read. I, I tend to read more than listen to audio. Sure, sure. I can appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I, as much as I love the Romulans, I was really kind of annoyed, for want of a better word, that they were largely ignored in the original series movies. Yeah. Um, because I thought that they were a a villain or an adversary, let's use adversary, that was a little more textured than the Klingons. You know, the Klingons in the TOS movies and then later in TNG became sort of these uh, headbanging, um, you know, guys yeah. who just want to fight everything and stab it, as opposed to sort of the 
the the John Colico style Klingons, the the very thoughtful uh, enemy, you know, the, the the very reasoned adversary. They they became just you know um, numbskulls, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah, that, that's actually a great way to put it. And and we love the movies. Don't get us wrong. But yeah, absolutely, you're absolutely right. With the with the creation of the new Klingons, so to speak, that we first saw in Star Trek One, and all the way up through TNG and and beyond, the the ridged forehead Klingons that are always in humid looking bridges with lots of steam and carrying daggers and they just want to go kill and conquer and it for some reason that seemed to be more fun for maybe the writers and the fans than having these deceptive Romulans that were always always had something up their sleeve in order to continue to to expand their empire in a vastly different way than the Klingons have done it. You know, and in fact, the, the, the really the one time we see the Romulans in the original series movies is, well, we see them in five and six a little bit. You see Caitlin Dar in Star Trek five, yep. and uh, she she doesn't really do a whole lot. She's no. just there. And then you see Romulan ambassador Noncluse in Star Trek six, the undiscovered country. And I'm like, what? Oh, wait all this time for a good Romulan. I get a bald Romulan. <laughs> well, hey, whoa. Hey, hey. Well, but he's on. got a really bad comb over. <laughs> you know, I'm like, come on. I think the Romulans would probably have better hair, you know, opportunities than that. Oh, well, I always have Mr. Mott, right? (laughs) You could. In fact, in the theatrical release, I don't even remember seeing the Romulan. Uh, You're right. I don't know if he was even there. It's like the whole, the whole Colonel West thing wasn't even in the movie, which is just a shame that it wasn't in the, in the theatrical release. It's kind of weird, but yeah, they, they were ignored. I mean, the Caitlin Dar, I mean, she's in like two scenes and it's just to like show that she's got a silver uniform and she's wearing a breathing apparatus. I mean, that's pretty much all you saw of her. Yeah, um, it didn't bad. add a whole lot to the story. No, you know, which which really is what gets me. Um, and then you get to sort of the next generation movies. You know, they were reintroduced a little. Oh, I'm sorry. I, let me just let me go to TNG the series first, and then I'll get to the movies. My bad. Um, they were introduced in the first season of TNG, and this seemed to be the pattern for next gen. They threatened a lot, and then actually wound up doing very little. I think that's the Romulan way. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, what's that phrase? Talk loudly, carry a big stick or something. They talked uh, loudly, but they didn't carry a big stick. It was a speak softly and carry a big stick. That uh, was see, a Theodore I was, Roosevelt. I was kind of, I was online with it. So, okay. You know what I meant though. <laughs> but you're, you're kind of right though. They did the opposite of that. Yeah. You know, they, they were a lot of bluster. They were a lot of threats. They were a lot of ultimatums and not a whole lot to back it up. Um, mainly because I, I think they were just as afraid of starting a, an interstellar war as, as Starfleet was. Well, look, the first time that we see the Romulans in TNG, it, like you said, is first season, the season finale, the neutral zone. Um, I have a feeling that something about Fark might show up about this later on. I'm just, I have this feeling, but you, oh, you really? saw it at the end of this episode. Mark Alimo, is the, as the Romulan, looks right at Picard and says, we are back. And then they're really not doing anything. <laughs> I mean, they're around <laughs> and Tomalock shows up all the time and their warbirds are really awesome looking, but... It seems that they don't use the strength that they have built up in their military at all to really do anything except try to cause problems during the Klingon Civil War later down the road with a horrible written uh, Romulan name, Sela. I, I don't disagree one bit. You know, if uh, I think it would have been great if it had been Tomalock still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would have loved it if he had been the continuing adversary for Picard all throughout the series. Yes. Now, granted, Andreas Katsoulis was busy doing Babylon 5 for a good chunk after that. I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
you know, he's, he was an actor who just added so much texture to that role. Right. Uh, I suspect we may be talking about him in a little bit uh, when we start talking <laughs> about some characters. You know, DS9 fleshed out the, the Romulans a little bit more too, but certainly not to the extent with episodes like uh, The Defector and TNG yeah. and some of those other ones. Even Voyager had a really good Romulan episode early on in season one. Yes. The Eye of the Needle. Eye of the um, Needle. Excellent episode. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. And it added a new dimension. I, I think that with each series, we got some really great things to chew on. Mm-hmm. With some great actors. I mean, look at some of the actors who have played Romulans in the next gen era. You got Mark Alimo. You got uh, my my favorite, James Sloyan. Yes, absolutely. You got Vaughn Armstrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you got uh, Andreas Katsoulis, like we mentioned. Um, Denise Crosby, even though what they gave her was terrible, she was really great. Well, that's, I was going to say that. I mean, it's nothing against Denise for the character. It's just that what they gave her wasn't really anything to really grab onto and, and, and hug. <laughs> no, you get Malachi Throne in, in uh, Unification 1 and 2, mm-hmm. who had played uh, the Commodore in the Menagerie. Um, they, they have some really heavy-hitting actors playing some great Romulan parts. Yeah. Um, and so they expanded the lore bit by bit by bit. And I don't think that we've seen this kind of expansion of the Romulans the way we'd kind of hope for until Picard, like right now. Absolutely. We, we kind of got some retcon thrown at us uh, in Enterprise, which I yep. always thought that those episodes, while they were interesting, they kind of felt out of place. And I don't know if they were trying to, to really force the Romulans onto us because everybody knows that we had never seen the Romulans until Balance of Terror. And, but they had a huge part in what happened in the, in the final season of Enterprise. And, and I think because it was retcon, I, for one, it never really, it really never struck home for me as much as it probably should have. I, I agree with that. The really, uh, the only aspect of that retcon I liked was the that era's Romulan bird of prey. Yes, I thought that looked really nice. cool. Yeah, it did. Um, I thought it was a nice homage to uh, sort of the both the TOS style and the TNG style. Um, yeah. If that makes sense, it does absolutely. And um, I, really, that was the only thing I, I liked about it. Otherwise, I. Unless they were going to introduce the Earth Romulan War, I thought it was just wasted fan service, quite honestly. Right. And now there is a great Enterprise novel about the Romulan War, um, which uh, I have not read yet, but I've read a lot of good things about it. So that's, you know, I think that a lot of the, uh, because the Romulans were not seen a whole lot, they were seen a bit, but not a lot. I think a lot of that backstory in history can be found in a lot of the novels that have been made uh, over the years. I know that there was a continuation with the female Romulan commander, um, which was um, one of the best back in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, so that, that history of the Romulan Empire is available to read in a lot of places, as well as the, the, the few times that it shows up in television. Yes. No, I, I agree with that. Um, and there are some great novels out there that, that explore the Romulans you know, all throughout you know, Trek's history, mm-hmm. um, dating all the way back to the seventies up through today, quite frankly, right. um, some really, really great stories told. Um, I would like for some of those elements to sort of graduate to the screen more as we see more crossover between mm-hmm. the written word and the produced word for television. Um, and maybe we'll get that. Right. Um, one of the things that truly surprised me when Star Trek 2009 came out was how heavy a Romulan influence it had. Um, you consider Nemesis just before it had really kind of tanked at the box office. It told what I thought was a very poor Romulan story, mainly because it centered on the Remans. Right. Exactly. Which made no the, sense. The Romulans get wiped out in the first 10 minutes of the movie, pretty much. The whole, the yeah, whole yeah. Senate anyway, and the Praetor yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought it, 
I thought it was a bridge too far for the Romulans. Um, I think we would have heard of the Remans before that, although an interesting idea. I, I don't think it was timed well. I think it would have been better to to make it part of you know, Romulus itself or maybe a splinter group on the planet sure. instead of saying, well, there's this second world mm-hmm. you know, that we don't talk about with that world. Fodder. And, yeah, and they're, they're essentially yeah. slaves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which I could see the Romulans doing. I just, you think we would have heard about it with all the intelligence we have on the Romulans before Nemesis. It's kind of funny because in, in Balance of Terror, they're showing the, the map, which I've always loved the map of, of Romulus and, and Romuli and Remi, I think is what's on the map. Yeah, yeah. And you never hear about Rami ever again until Nemesis. And it's kind of like, they're like, all right, we need to go back through the annals of Star Trek history and pick some, hey, let's create these people <laughs> from this planet here that we never talked about since Balance of Terror. And then we saw what happened in Nemesis. So, yeah. And the thing that gets me is that, you know, we know that the, the Romulans are, you know, cousins of Vulcans. Mm-hmm. What the hell are the Remans? Because they look like Nosferatu. I was going to say, they're like vampires. Actually, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When you see Ron Perlman come on the screen in, in, uh, in Nemesis, it's like, whoa, what, <laughs> what what's that? that? <laughs> what, how can they be related to Romulans? That right. doesn't make sense. No, no idea. No um, idea. It does make me wonder about that race. You know, uh, we're, uh, I, 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 I want to know more, even though I don't want to know more. And, and what year did Nemesis come out? 2004? Five? I'm not sure, but whenever it came out, um, we hadn't heard about the Remans until then. We haven't heard about them since then. So, um, Nothing really going on with that group of people at all. Of course, you know, Romulus is gone now, but, and I'm sure, you know, they never talked about whether, uh, you know, if, if Remus survived the supernova, which I'm sure it didn't, but you never hear talk about them. That's kind of uh, mean. I would imagine it didn't, knowing that it pretty much laid waste to the entire Romulan star system. Oh, I'm thinking, yeah. Uh, Nemesis came out in 2002, by the way. 2002, okay. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, it's God, it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am old Dan, if you remember the introduction. So. Uh, old Dan. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you brought up a good point very quickly a minute ago in the, the um, how Romulan-esque uh, 2009 reboot was. And what's interesting is, yeah, but at the same time, a lot of it is in the alternate timeline, um, except for, um, you know... Nero, of course. Well, except for Romulus blowing up. Right. That's all oh. prime timeline. That's right. Prime, absolutely prime timeline. Um, you got to wonder if the popularity, because I think, I think 2009 is masterful. I, I just love the 2009 movie. And you got to wonder yeah. if the popularity of that, along with the popularity, of course, of TNG and having Picard come back, is it something that they thought about doing right away when they were doing the writing for Picard, that it was going to be very Romulan heavy, it was going to deal with what happened at the beginning of 2009, and we're going to build up on on that entire history with Picard? I don't know if it was because of popularity or if it was just convenient and Alex Kurtzman worked on both of them. Mm. You know, maybe it's, you know, they took those events that, that helped lay the groundwork for 2009 and said, well, you know, Picard is in the Countdown comics for, yeah. for the 2009 a movie from about yeah. 11 years ago. And um, it does set forth the Romulan supernova in, in the, in that graphic novel in those four comics. Yeah. So I figured they just built on that uh, because I, it was convenient. And I like the fact that Picard finally lays to rest any of the dum-dums out there that think that the destruction of Romulan was not in the prime timeline because right. it wasn't. <laughs> That's just something that we've joked about for years because we still hear people talk about how it this doesn't make any sense because it took place in the alternate time. No, no, it didn't. It didn't. No, it yeah. really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those fun topics that never gets old. 
No, it's, it went away. It gets old. <laughs> Let's old just Dan. throw that out there. Okay. Old Dan. <laughs> That's only because I can't get as low as Cisco to say old man. <laughs> just think of it that way. It's a term of endearment. Oh, oh, I appreciate that. Okay, thanks. Old Dan. <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't bad. Yeah, thank you, thank All you. Right, okay. um, so we have seen, well, we've seen a lot of Romulans lately. We're just never enough for my liking. The way some people love Klingons, the way some people love Borg, mm-hmm. that's kind of the way I feel about Romulans, quite honestly. Okay, well, nothing wrong with that. No, and so yeah. I'm I'm excited to see more Romulan stuff in Picard. Um, it's a very splintered. Romulan yes. Empire. Yes. It's not even an empire anymore. No, no not anymore. It's yep. very decentralized, and I think that that adds even more treachery, in, mm-hmm. in, in all honesty, without giving too many details. I like how you say that, because one of the things that I think has been good about the writing with Picard, and this isn't giving away any spoilers, but it is giving a detail away, is that we get to see... Okay, we've talked about how the Romulans looked in Balance of Terror. And then we saw them in TNG, and they had pronounced head ridges, and their eyebrows were funny, and they wore shoulder pads, and and this, that, and the other thing. In Picard, we see that also, but they finally explain, just like we've tried to explain what the different looks of Klingons, is different areas of Romulus had different looking Romulans. And I think that they that they literally talked about that in Picard, I think was a good thing to... Again, appease the people that have been questioning it for so long, and I, I think do. they did it the right way. I, I do too. I, you know, the ridges in TNG always bugged me because it yes. came out of nowhere. Absolutely. And then not. every Romulan you saw after that had ridges. Right. You know who didn't really have ridges, and I always appreciated it, even though it wasn't TNG. It was DS Nine. One of my favorite Romulans was Freenak. He didn't. Yeah. He didn't have the ridges. He had the black straight hair and the wispy eyebrows, and not those ridges or not the pronounced forehead that. That seemed to just be just really weird at the time. I didn't understand the decision because it looked more like Mintakins than they did Romulans, quite honestly. Um, Wow, we're getting really geeky here. It's a good thing we call this podcast Trek Geeks. Um, Because that was just, you know, a deep cut for some people and, Mm -hmm. you know, Tuesday for everybody else. Um, The Romulan culture to me is fascinating in the way it differs from Vulcans. We talked about their xenophobia a little bit earlier. Um, Some people question whether they are militaristic and I say they are um, because it seems that the Romulan Empire um, has control over the people to the point where the people are terrified of them and I use unification as an example when people are eating soup it's almost like you know the Nazi SS coming through town and people like just look at your soup don't don't even pay attention you don't want nothing to do with them uh, I think that they exert such a control over the population that it may as well be military control if that makes sense I, I look at it a little bit differently. I, yeah. I definitely agree with you. What I always – and I'm, it's it's amazing that you brought up that scene, and we didn't talk about this beforehand, but it's the scene that I think of. When they're – just eat your soup, I don't look at it as the military SS type thing. I look at it at what I have always seen the Romulans as, as these secretive spy people. I think it's more the Tal Shiar aspect of the fear. And the Tal Shiar isn't a military organization. It's more that – that that spy organization, kind of like the Obsidian Order in, uh, in for the Cardassians, and that's how I always took that. Don't look up, don't cause a problem, don't let anybody notice you because it's the Tal Shiar, and they know everything about you, and you don't want them on your bad side. Well, sure, but still part of the government, right? You know, and I, and 
Go ahead. Let me add also, and and you're absolutely right. I think that military is a huge part of of the Romulan Empire because, as we talked about, they have massive ships with unbelievable firepower. When you see a Romulan warbird nose-to-nose with the Enterprise, the Enterprise is pretty small compared to what a Romulan warbird looks like, the Diedrichs class. So it's it's definitely a militaristic empire, but I also think that that fear – has deep roots within the Tal Shiar too. No, I think you're right. And I think that leads to a lot of their secretiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really one of the things that kind of surprises me with the Romulans is as the lore has continued on is that they've become a, a, a race that deals in partial truth. And I mean, they'll tell you only so much and only so much that you need to know. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably even lie to your face just to keep the truth covered up. Um, because nobody should know the truth. We've seen it in episode after episode. Uh, if you're reading The Last Best Hope right now, you see it there um, to a, to the nth degree, um, You know, probably to the, the worst it's ever been. But it, I was always so surprised by that, that that must be the way that they maintain control is through that secrecy, because if people knew how the sausage was made, hmm. they would probably overthrow the government. It's amazing, too, when you think of it. The Cardassians are very similar, and I was going to say, can you imagine the Cardassians and the Romulans having a conversation? But wait, we saw that when the Romulan Cardassians went to destroy the founders' homeworld, and it was just like one thing after another, insult after insult, and, and, and... deception on both sides almost the entire time it was it's amazing that they got anything done and then they all died (laughs) (laughs) and then they all died that's a way to way to button that one up dan thanks so much um one of the things that that really kind of surprised me you know one of the big differences between romulans and vulcans are supposed to be that you know the vulcans have control of their emotions they've repressed them they have them they just have such great control of them that they rely more on logic than they do that emotional center, whereas the Romulans really aren't supposed to have that quality yet. We don't see very many emotional Romulans. No. We, which no, really, really kind of surprises me when they draw, take the time to draw that distinction. And really, I think the most emotional Romulan we've ever seen is Nero. Oh, yeah. He's, well, he's a nut burger. Well, yeah. Uh, also, you know, we see Vrenak get mad. Um, yeah, we and do. And we, uh, other than that, I mean... No, not a lot. It's always very controlled insults and controlled discussion with not a lot. Of, you're right. It's not a lot of emotion. They may, they may smile and and, and like Sila says, I hate Vulcans. I hate the logic. So yeah. they definitely have the emotions and they talk about them. But even even that wasn't a very emotional speech. So I I definitely hear what you're saying, and it's it's a it's an interesting distinction and commonality between both races. It really it makes me wonder if there's more. You know, if they have more alike, then they really do different. Yeah. You know, and perhaps Spock discovers some of that when he goes and spends time on Romulus. Um, You know, maybe he decides that, you know, not only does he need to stay, but he actually kind of enjoys staying. At least that's in my head canon. Yeah, I've I've always thought that he enjoyed being there. I mean, uh, he was there for a long time. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's... And, and they never really, he never really brought about unification, which was kind of sad to see, but uh, he definitely had his followers. Uh, absolutely. So yeah. um, let's talk about some of our favorite Romulans throughout Star Trek. Okay. You know, we got like 50, almost 54 years coming up uh, mm-hmm. later this year. Um, and there have been a lot of Romulans that we've watched. We've talked about some of the great actors that have played Romulans. Um, who, what are some of the characters that stand out to you and why? 
I've always thought that one of my favorite Romulans has always been uh, First Officer Navek from Face of the Enemy with Deanna Troy yeah. as the Romulan. Good old friend Scott McDonald, who played Tosk in DS9, played that Romulan, and and he was great. I mean, he was he had to be able to convince everyone that Deanna was a member of the Tal Shiar and had to protect her as well as stay true to his Romulan beliefs. Um, but he sacrificed himself to get those dissidents over to the Enterprise, and I've always thought that that episode not only was the strongest of the Deanna Troy episodes, but it really showed parts of Romulus and Romulan culture that you had not seen before. Uh, they're very, um, very militaristic in that. And one aspect could go back to what you were saying. They all wear their firearms on the bridge. I mean, that's paranoia to the nth degree. If if you got to wear your disruptor on your side uh, on your side when you're on the bridge of your own ship, um, I just love that character. I've always liked him and the commander of that ship. Uh, I believe her name was. Uh, uh, Tareth, Commander Tareth, I think is what it was. Wow, nice deep cut there. I like yeah, that. Yes. Um, I have to go right off the bat with uh, with Admiral Jarok from from the Defector TNG. Yeah, oh yes. It's TV. one of my all time favorite uh, TNG episodes to start with. That poor guy. Great script by Ron Moore, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and of course played by probably one of the greatest Star Trek guest stars of all time, James yep. Sloyan, who we have you know just been effusive about for years here on track. Yes. Um, he pretty much, it, he's a patsy and he doesn't know he's a patsy. He thinks that he's on this noble mission mm-hmm. and they just hung him out to dry, which is yep. the, the best description of modern day Romulans at the time that we could ever get. Ultimately, Jarek winds up committing suicide once he realized he'd sacrificed any chance of seeing his family again for nothing, right? For nothing. And that's yep. really the gut punch of the episode. And it shows the depths of of being manipulative and lying that the Romulans are willing to go to get their mission accomplished. And that's a perfect example. It doesn't matter who it is. They could be one of the finest admirals, one of the finest people in their society. doesn't matter. If they're going to make something happen, they will put anybody out, hang anybody out to dry, as you said, in order to achieve that goal. And they certainly did with that episode. What uh, what are their favorite uh, Romulans you got? I got to say the, the original, the first one. Yeah. Uh, Romulan Commander from Balance of Terror, Mark Leonard. Um, just a fantastic job um, portraying uh, the first Romulan we ever see. The respect that he has for Kirk is evident. The cat and mouse between the two is great. And just that line that in another reality I could have called you friend really drives home what this guy is like. And I think he was, he started, the Romulan started off on the right foot with that guy. Especially because they weren't, they weren't bad. Well, they were bad guys, but they weren't bad guys. Right. You know, yes, they had just destroyed colonies on, uh, along the neutral zone, but because they thought their space was being encroached upon and, mm-hmm. and they were essentially uh, about to be attacked by the Federation. Yep, absolutely. Um, it, it's a great treatise on misunderstanding. It's a great treatise on communication. And it, it says that if we maybe talked more, we could iron some of these things out before they become uh, tragic, quite right. honestly. Absolutely. Um, I have to go with uh, Vrenak for my next pick yes. because <laughs> In the Pale Moonlight is my all-time favorite DS9 episode, mm-hmm. um, partly because of Vrenak. I mean, it, it's just a, a character that is just so fantastic. I mean, he's he not in a whole lot of scenes, mm-hmm. but he has that, just that quality that you would expect yep. from an ultimate adversary. 
and we're trying to win him over to our side. And when he calls Cisco on the BS, he just, it is, it, it's classic. It's what, I mean, it's, it's, there's so many memes for it. It's one of the best lines in Star Trek and it's all, it's three words and it's just one of the best lines. And it's just, it brings home uh, that episode and on so many levels when he just holds up that data rod. And, but one of the things I like about Vreenak so much is just the, just the right, get right under your skin insults that he constantly is throwing out there, you know, talking about Cisco and what he is. Oh, and the man who started the war with the dominion. Somehow I thought you'd be taller. I mean, it just, <laughs> it's just, he's, he's great at it. That guy is, is fantastic. He is rumbling through and through. And he, one of the things I like is of course he has makeup, but I, I can't, I can't think of the actor's name. He was in, um, he was an orphan black too, but he looks like a Romulan. I mean, he just has that look about him. And I think he does a, a fantastic job. You don't have the shoulder pads as much with him as you do uh, with other Romulans. But uh, yeah, Renak is great. I, um, I, I have to agree with you. He's, he's fantastic. That's a uh, Stephen McCaddy. Ah. He, um, I remember him from an episode of Starsky and Hutch in the seventies oh, where geez. he played this real goon, <laughs> um, just a real, real piece of work but uh but yeah he's he's fantastic in pretty much just about everything i would have loved to have seen him in more episodes unfortunately he did not survive but <laughs> no, he would have yeah. been great yeah so uh do you have another one on your side i gotta say you know this is kind of some people might think this is strange but i've over the years uh, i i've always loved 2009 the reboot i gotta say over the years nero's grown on me man he really has um at first, I thought he was just another, you know, con-like character where his wife was killed and now he's gone crazy and wants to kill everybody. Um, but he's really got some depth, and especially the Countdown comic really talks about that depth. And the other thing that's really cool is I'm looking at a picture of Eric Banner right now as Nero. I never realized until just recently that one of his ear points was, like, bitten off or cut off or something because it's just not there. Um, it's, it's, like, jagged. So he lost an ear point, pal. <laughs> I think that happened in the scenes we didn't see in the Klingon prison for uh, 2009, I think. Okay. All right. But, um, uh, you know, I, I, I can appreciate um, I can appreciate the character. I kind of have a problem with uh, the, how, the technology and how big his ship was, and, and that's a lot of miles of chain that they have to drop out of that thing uh, for the drill bits and such. But um, I can let that pass because I, I just love the movie so much. But he is a character that, surprisingly, I have grown to uh, appreciate a lot more. I um I have one other one and an honorable mention. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with the honorable mention first, and that's uh, Senator Kretak, as played by... Um, um, Adrian Barbeau. Ad- Adrian Barbeau yeah. <laughs> in uh, DS9's Inter Arma Enum Sealant Legas. Absolutely. Um, just because, one, I adore Adrian Barbeau, mm-hmm. and two... Um, Kretak's pretty awesome. And then um, I have to say my my last favorite Romulan, this is going to be a, this is a dark horse pick. I'm going to throw it out there. It's going to surprise you, I think. Um, Centurion Bakra from TNG's The Enemy. He's the guy who's stranded oh, on the with planet Jordy. with Jordy. Absolutely. He's fantastic in that episode. Yeah. That's a great, uh, that's a great episode that shows how xenophobic Romulans really are. Um, great pick, man. I like that one. That's a deep cut. That That is a deep cut. Well, it also shows that, you know, if, if we communicate, you know, even with our enemy, mm-hmm. we can be, find a way to mutually survive. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I, I just, I saw that episode again recently. I'm like, damn, I love Bakra. He's awesome. I'll throw in a, a, an honorable mention as well. And, and it's an episode that I, um, 
I just watched recently again, um, and it's from Star Trek Voyager, and it's the episode Message in a Bottle. Yeah. And the Romulan commander, Rekar, of the Tal Shiar, um, taking over the, the Prometheus. Um, that's the, this, is the, if, this is the episode um, with the Doctor, uh, a very Doctor-heavy ep- uh, episode. Uh, he's, a, he's a vicious dude. Um, and I really, and, and I, he, is, is that, um, oh, the actor was, um, wasn't he the one from Star Trek two? He's Joaquin from Star Trek two, isn't he? Yeah. It's J- Judson Scott. Who's yeah, not, okay. not credited yeah. in Star Trek two. Right. Which is too bad because he is superior. <clears throat> sorry. Um, uh, so I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. It was it's very bad, but that's a good Romulan episode too. You get to see that the, the Romulans, it's it's funny that we saw the Romulans a certain way in TNG with the big silver uniforms with the shoulder pads and everything. When we're in Voyager and beyond, their uniforms are much more normal looking. They're very militaristic still, but they're not that ridiculous 80s look um, that we got used to seeing on TNG a lot. And uh, the, the, the he did have the uh, pronounced forehead, but he did have the cool Romulan hair, and it was black instead of blonde like Denise Crosby's, which I never really liked either. I just don't get me started. I just I don't want to talk about Sela. <laughs> we I don't just, have to. I, nope. I can't stand her. I just uh, please. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so episodes, there are standout Romulan episodes in, in just about every series. Um, some of them we may like, some of them we may not. Obviously, um, there are some go-to ones that we know we love. If you want to watch a good Romulan yarn, if you will. Which episodes are you going to dial up there on the uh, on the the flicks of the net? Well, obviously, Balance of Terror is going to be my 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 go to one. I mean, that's that's the one that just pretty much you know does it all. Um, it's got everything I like in a, in in the original series. I just I just have always really really enjoyed that one. Uh, in the Pale Moonlight, like you said, it's your favorite Deep Space Nine episode. I'm pretty sure it's my favorite Deep Space Nine episode as well. So it's something that I really uh, uh, enjoy and and. I can never get the the title right because I tried to say it last night to my wife and I completely said a bad word when I was trying to do it. But that Latin episode, Inter Armament Silent Legus. <laughs> Inter Arma Inem Silent Legus. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, I love that episode. I think that's great. I really like um, the, the depths to which Bashir tries to help, but then how he completely stands up to the Admiral at the end. Um, yeah. I think that's just a it's a fantastically written episode, and it really shows the Romulans in a very interesting light. I've, I, that's one that I never get bored of. That that one. How about I, you, have, man? I have to agree with that one hundred percent. Although I, I think it's it's total fan service. I do like Minefield from Enterprise. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's less of a Romulan story. Um, it's it's more of a Reed and Archer story, but the Romulans are there looming the whole time, and you yes. only ever hear their voice. But you know what they're about. Mm-hmm. The the crew, of the Enterprise, might not, but we do, and it adds some real tension to that episode. Um, let's just assume that I would dial up all three, or, or I say three TOS episodes. The Romulans are mentioned in the Deadly Years, although they're not seen. Um, I would dial that one up anyway, simply yeah. so I could laugh at Chekhov. Um, <laughs> uh, but I I have a feeling there'd probably be um, a Tin Man I would watch. Okay. The Defector with Hands Down. Absolutely. Um, future Imperfect, even though it's it's kind of a hologram. You know what? I was going to bring that one up, and I love that episode because it's another perfect example of how deceiving the Romulans 
are and how they will try to trick you in how to get their goals accomplished. That is a perfect example of the Romulans t- to me. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Face of the Enemy, yep. um, classic. Probably one of the best Romulan episodes ever. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pegasus. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't like the Romulan in that one, though, but that, that's a great I don't either, story. but I love the story. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then I would probably have to say, well, I'm looking at the Deep Space Nine episodes. Um, oh, man, it's hard. Because you get deep into the Dominion War with the Romulans, and a lot of those are kind of forgettable. So I'd almost say in Purgatory Shadow and by Inferno's Light, those two together. Okay. Let me ask you this. I can't think of the name off the top of my head, and I can't believe I can't. The episode where Geordi is taken prisoner and brainwashed to kill the, the Klingon governor of some planet. The Mind's Eye. Mind's Eye. That's another great one with this whole duplicitness, duplicitedness, or whatever the word is, um, d- d- the duplicity of, of everything, <laughs> the way the Romulans are. They duplicity. Just, duplicity, yeah. That's Tuvix-like, I, I think, in, in the way that we <laughs> I was say. just thinking the same thing. <laughs> That's, but yeah. That makes me sad. It's interesting. A lot of the episodes that we're talking about are Romulans being deceptive, lying, hiding the truth, uh, trying to make you do something by making you think something else. That's just the way they are. And I think it's done very well in all the episodes we talked about. Like I say, you know who plays a great Romulan is Martha Hackett, Seska from Voyager. Yes, yeah, because yeah, she's in uh, the Search Part One. That's um, right, and I think Part Two also. Yep. But um, she's the sort of Romulan attaché that's right. on board the Defiant when they engage the cloaking device the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah. knew that wasn't going to last long. No, <laughs> no. You know, I still don't understand why the Romulans just let us use a cro- cloaking device. Still don't get it, but hey. We'll bring him into the war later, then we can explain it to him. Yeah, and we'll lie to get him in there. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, gosh, now that I'm talking, now that we're talking about it, there's more Romulan episodes than I remember. Improbable Cause in the Dias Castle, I think, like like what you said. You brought those two yeah, up. Yeah, you were, I did. Yeah, th- those, are, those are great ones. Actually, no, I said uh, In Purgatory Shadow and By yes. Inferno's Light. Yes, 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 sorry. But you're, you're um, right with yours, too. Improbable Cause in the Dias Castle is, is really good. It shows a little bit about... Um, uh, I think that's more Cardassian centric for the Dominion aspect of it than Romulans, um, but it really goes to show that you know they're willing to uh, help out if it's going to be for their benefit. Maybe the Dominion will be gone and they can take over some more of the Alpha Quadrant. Oh, absolutely! You know what I yeah. saw the other day that I I liked more than the first time I saw it was Birthright Part Two. Yeah, those have never really grown on me a lot. I'll have to watch them again. I haven't What's, watched them in a while. It's almost because the two episodes don't go together. Yeah. Even though they're a part one and part two, yep. uh, part two is Worf on that uh, that sort of uh, colony that yeah. where the Klingons are being held captive, and yep. really they're kind of not held captive. Uh, you know, the, there's the Romulan influence. I I really enjoyed part two. I think it would have been better as a standalone Worf story than anything else, um, and not tied to the first part in air quotes. Right. I agree. Um, but I really love the Romulan influence there because here these Klingons have made families with some Romulan, you know, it's, uh, they're there and they're not going anywhere. And, and Worf's now there, whether he wants to be or not. Um, (laughs) and that certainly adds a complication. Any war, anything that Worf does adds a complication. (laughs) (laughs) He's a Klingon from TNG era. Come on. (laughs) And then, um, the, the drum head, I love the drumhead. So great, and and it's so great. I mean, it's so great not because of the Romulan aspect of it, but it it does have a little bit of Romulan uh, intertwining. But yeah, that's a fantastic episode. Yeah, for so I mean, many other reasons besides Romulans, but that's a good reason to like it as well. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. 
Uh, for the next couple of minutes, if you want to skip ahead about two minutes or so, we're going to talk a little bit about Picard and the Romulans there. If not, um, we hope you've watched Picard. So, <laughs> so there you have it. Um, I have to say that I love Laris and and Shaban. Oh. Um, Picard's Romulan caretakers at the at the, uh, the chateau in, yep. in Labar, France. Um, former Tal Shiar members um, and totally badass. Oh, not yeah. only at at what they can do, but also in the fact that they um they don't let Picard walk all over them. No, um, they stand up to him. She scolds him up one side and down the other when he decides he wants to go help. Uh, find uh, whoever he needs to help. Well, we can say it, I guess. It's no big deal. But you're absolutely right. They are my two favorite new characters of the show. I absolutely love them, and I just hope we get to see them at least one more time. And I got to say that uh, Narek is growing on me, or Narek, however you want to say his name. Oh, not me, man. I hate that dude. I hate him, but the character is growing on me based on what he's doing because you know, we talked earlier about how the Romulans have a lot of bluster and don't do very much. He's doing things. He, he is. is dangerous. Yeah. And I think that's what I appreciate about him. I guess it's a good thing that, that I hate him as much as I do because you want to have that character to hate. He's like the Kai win of Picard. I, I really think yeah. he's just, you, you, you know, because I've got such a, you know, I, I like Soji and, and, and everything. But whenever we get to scenes that's on the artifact and they're together, I just want to punch him in his Adam's apple. I just, it just, <laughs> just he's, and what that earring thing that he's got in his ear and, and just the way that he's manipulating her, it just, oh, it just aggravates the hell out of me. But yeah, he's, he's a good example of Romulan and his sister is a nutcase. Um, yes. But I love her. So it's interesting that I don't like Narek, but I think that she's awesome. <laughs> um, they're an interesting dynamic together. Some people have referred to them as the Romulanisters. Mm-hmm. Um, I get it. Although <laughs> I, I, I think that um, I think she's probably about as crazy as Cersei Lannister is. Yeah. I think he's more dangerous than Jamie Lannister ever was. Yes, I totally agree with that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, uh, with her. Um, is she going to finally um, take over uh, and do bad things uh, we will we will soon see but she she's god i wish we had talked to her at the premiere she was standing right next to us and we never got the opportunity to talk to her because she was talking with uh morehouse the big jerk um and took <laughs> up all her time so we didn't get to talk to her but man it, the more that i've seen of her in this in this series the more i've loved her well we didn't know she was in the show because exactly. she wasn't on the she wasn't on the cast list right yep we, I thought she was just attending the premiere for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, much like uh, like Garrett Delahunt from The Walking Dead was attending, but that's because his wife, Michelle Hurd, is in the show. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I thought maybe she was with somebody who was in the show. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, Peyton List is, is fantastic. Um, I really appreciate what they're doing with the Romulans in the show. I'm enjoying the hell out of it. So I really find it amazing that this artifact, a Borg cube that's no longer with the collective is under the control of the Romulans. That's something that's interesting to me. So it's in the Beta Quadrant, obviously, and the Romulans are in control of this entire thing, and they are able to set the rules as to who can come and who can't come onto it, and and the treaties that allow the scientific exploration. It's really amazing to think that the Romulans are able to do that when their planet was completely destroyed 20 years ago, and they've been scattered all over the galaxy since. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. 
Mm-hmm. So, well, that kind of brings us to a close. Our look at the Romulans, Dan. Um, I, clearly, we could go on and on about the Romulans for hours and hours, mm-hmm. and maybe we'll revisit this race again someday in a different uh, perspective. But uh, but for now, that kind of wraps that discussion. Well, of course, Dan, we have to thank our great friends, the band Five Year Mission, without whom we would not have all of this amazing music to use on Trek Geeks and our other shows on the Trek Geeks Network. We, uh, we want everyone to head on out to fiveyearmission.net. Go get all their albums. Get those CDs in your hands. Now, I don't just mean one. I don't just mean two. I mean all of them. So year one, year two, year three. Oh, yes, my friends, year four. But don't forget, Spock's Brain, The Trouble with Tribbles. You want all of those discs in your hot little hands so you can listen to them. Because you, I, I'm telling you, Dan will agree with this, you are going to become just as big of fans of their music as we are ourselves. So that's fiveyearmission.net. Go get those albums. And thanks to, to the guys so much for all the music. I agree with this. <laughs> My name's Dan Davidson, yeah. and I approve this message. <laughs> yes, actually. It's great that we talked Romulans this week. You know why? Because I watched a Romulan episode. You know my episode, the special episodes that I have hidden in the vault. I found another one. Yeah. It was a good one. Three humans are found cryogenically frozen, Bill. And they've been that way for hundreds of years. Hundreds, I say. Um, Several outposts along the neutral zone go dark, and Picard has to juggle investigating that with the discovery of these three people. Uh, Interestingly enough, Bill, interestingly enough, (laughs) (laughs) one of them was actually a musician. Can you believe it? And his name, you'll never believe it, Sonny Clemens. You thought I was going to fart that one up, didn't you? I thought you were going to do something because, you know, LQ Sonny Clemens. See? Yeah. Huh. You could have done Fark You, Sonny Clemens. No, no, no. I didn't. I, I have I have something s- still saving. I can't wait. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you can't. Well, no, not in this episode. It was Sonny Clemens. You know, in this episode, the Romulans return after decades of leaving the Federation alone. And as the sinister commander of the Romulan Warbird makes it clear, they are back. It was Commander Tayfark, who looks suspiciously like Gul Dukat. Looks suspiciously. (laughs) Shut up. Like Gul Dukat, or should I say, Gul Dufark. Three Farks in one episode, baby. That's a record, I think. And I know that you are loving it because you you just have this look on your face that I can't even describe. It's it's utter confusion. (laughs) Um, It's disappointment. Both. Both in myself and in humanity. The fark. Uh, you would, you know, you farked it up all right. <laughs> um, you would aid your case remarkably if you would just stop talking. <laughs> so yeah, that's fiveyearmission.net. Go get all of their albums, please, despite Dan. Thank you. We appreciate it. Don't forget, of course, you can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to exclusive bonus content via Patreon. You can check out our t-shirt and annual supporters pin designs for 2020 and even get raw, unedited audio of all of our podcasts, along with some other perks, Dan. Lots of perks. Check it out. Uh, We also want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are so grateful for their support. Thank you, Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Krikorian, Rick Tatro, Trey Womack, Sean Lynn, Shane Murray, Tim Robertson, Tim Serdar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, Christina Werther, Jim McMahon, Luke Burnham, Eric Sakian, Lisa Tomlinson, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. I thank you for going back to that. I, I, my, my world was incomplete without it last week. I, I missed it. Um, everybody missed it. 
we got so many letters. Uh, I appreciate it. No, nobody writes letters. You're an idiot. <laughs> and of course, we want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Mike Bovia, Patrick Escudero, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ben Russett, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, Rachel Delaney, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashion. You too can become a producer on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today. Next week, Dan, we continue to celebrate Voyager 25 with perhaps one of the best episodes of season six, if not the entire series. Actually, I was going to say that exact same thing. If not the entire series. It was I missed that. I see, a- I didn't even read. I just, I went with it. You read some copy and say neep deep, but you can't read my stuff because it doesn't have your name on it. That's okay. All right. That's all right. Um, <laughs> I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, this is a real interesting episode, and I'm glad we're actually going to do a deep dive into it. Voyager orbits a planet where time passes rapidly, allowing them to witness most of its inhabitants' history, and to the inhabitants... Voyager is fixed in the night sky, inspiring them as the eons pass. It's time dilation at its very best as we discuss Blink of an Eye next week on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You know what it is? I just I don't like to color inside the lines, you know? That's I, you can't. I, I like to take what's there. Place. And I'm like a jazz musician. I like to improvise. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's, it's, hey, I'm all for it. Improvise away, baby. Wow, that's fantastic. I now have permission on my own show. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the other member shows of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Um, So many great shows that we've added in the last uh, year. It's really been a year since we became a network. And there's more coming. Just put it out there. You'll get all the details soon over at trekgeeks.com. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our dear friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 208 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coca Fark! That's four in one episode. That's right. You are one, cut off, two, suspended. Put your, give me your badge and your and your gun, and you could possibly be excommunicated from Trectum. However, so now a fifth one. <laughs> well, no, it was the same one. I just repeated it. Yeah, longer, as long as we want it to, you know. The people are listening. This will be taken to the highest echelons of Starfleet Command. I assure you. <laughs> Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They are writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and discoveringtrek.com. Bing-bong! Bing-bong! Everybody go to bing-bong! Bong-bong! Bing-de-bong-de-bong! Sorry. What the, was that just a melody that entered your head? or entered my head. I have, so that's I, the first thing. I have lots of room in there for Ever. things to bounce around. It's like pong. Remember that? <laughs> lots. <laughs> it's like, no, it's like trying to play ping-pong in an aircraft hangar. 
And the ping pong ball, ping pong ball, the ping pong ball is just bouncing all over the place because there's so much room. That's exactly what it's like in your head. It's like it's like hangar 18 in there, baby. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is such a great cheesy movie. It's awesome. (laughs) It is awesome. I love it. Yeah, that's a good one. I haven't watched that in years, but I remember I was like just drawn into it. Was it was it OJ Simpson who was hanging off the back of the truck at one point or was it the other guy? I think so. Gary Collins is in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, I'm thinking of. Um, I'm not thinking of hanging. You're thinking of Capricorn yeah. One. Thinking of Capricorn, which is another great one. Yeah, but Capricorn One is better. Yeah, it is. Hangar 18 was like a B movie that was released. Like all this speculation, what's in Hangar 18? Yeah. Um, it's and more. it's it's bad. It's it bad, is. dude. It is. But it's so far, I'm, I think I must have watched it at least ten times on HBO as a remote, kid. Remote controlled jet. <laughs> right in that hangar nothing spaceship was fine oh this may have to be the bad movie i get kelly for christmas i i vote for that yet yeah, write it down right now so you don't forget i'm gonna search for it on amazon there you go hangar i uh hangar 18, people oh I, I I give you credit for having some real inspiration today. I want to write this down. That is uh, February 26, 2020. It's the first time it's ever happened. Time for everything. See? Yeah. I don't expect it to ever happen again. Again? I've been listening to Barry on Picard Live far too oh, much. Yes. No. So does your internet drop out all the time, too? Well, no, I said listening. I didn't say trying to be like Barry. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever be able to uh, not give him a hard time about that because it's just fun. Um, I can only hope that someday he he moves to some place where you know the the internet is not run by you know small animals on a habit trail wheel trying to power a generator. Huh. Wow. That's that's kind of harsh. True, but harsh. <laughs> I was gonna say it's true. Was, <laughs> uh, so by the way, Hangar Eighteen, um, directed by James L. Conway, who's directed a fair oh. amount of Star Trek, also stars Darren McGavin and Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn. <laughs> Oh, yes. Good old Robert Vaughn. So interesting that that he was actually um, uh, actually in that. I, I had no idea. Or that James Conway directed it. That's amazing. Are you still there? Yeah, I am. Sorry, I okay. was typing. <laughs> I was muted because I was typing. Yeah, Robert Vaughn. Superman 3 also, if I remember correctly. I can't watch that movie. It's it's uh, horrible. Richard Pryor. Yeah, Richard Pryor. And and, the, and Robert Vaughn's sister gets turned into like a cyborg thing at the end. It's kind of weird. Who greenlit that piece of crap? I don't know. You know what? It's when, you know, people people get a taste of success and then they make sequels. And the majority of the time, the sequels are horrible. But in the majority, but then other times they're not. Star Trek 2, I'm talking to you. <laughs> but Star Trek Five also talking to you. <laughs> yeah, so you can have the same thing in the same uh, in the same franchise, I guess. Bad, good, yeah, bad. bad. Well, but I mean, you've got that with Superman too. I mean, one and two ultimately were supposed to be one film, right? And um, as it is, they're they're both pretty fantastic. Speaking of Superman, I have to tell you, and you're going to be like, "Oh my god!" My wife and I actually sat and watched the entirety of Justice League the other night. It was on TV, TNT or TV. The movie? The movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was, you know, I got to, I got to hand it. I got to, I got to say the, um, the idea of what was going on was okay, but they can't hold a candle to the special effects in the Avengers and Marvel movies. I mean, they were just cheesy. They looked bad. I, I was not impressed with them at all. I didn't have a problem with the effects. I had a problem with the story because it was terrible. Yeah, uh, I, I, some of the some of the aspects of it I liked, um, but but uh, I just I just could not uh, I couldn't get engaged with it. Hmm. 
I thought that Wonder Woman. Uh, the only reason I saw that movie was because I really enjoyed Wonder Woman. I thought that Man of Steel was kind of eh. Yeah, I didn't like um, Batman versus Superman. I truly think it's one of the worst films I've ever seen. It's one of the only. There's probably um, less than five movies that I've ever stopped watching and never watched, and that was one of them. So I did not know about the ending until Justice League <laughs> about what happened. So yeah. <laughs> so you didn't even get to the Martha's part. No. Where I they realized um, when Clark and Bruce were at a party and met Lex Luthor. That's when I shut it off, which is pretty much near the beginning, because it was like this is just this is just horrendous. So yeah, I didn't get very far into it at all. I've read about what they did and how they created Doomsday with General Zod and all that stuff, but I never watched the rest of it. The one disappointing part, you know, in Man of Steel, was that there was never a kneel before Zod like the one Terrence Stamp did, mm-hmm. because he just is unhinged at that point, and yeah. that's what that character needed. It, you know, just you saw the depth of how mad he was and you don't get that with my michael shannon's a great actor but uh you don't get that with with his zod even though his zod is more menacing yeah he's kind of a nut burger more so oh yeah 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 but and the and and the the, but i will say the outfit for uh uh for zod and and man of steel is kind of clunky kind of original iron (laughs) man-ish uh yeah yeah it is yeah yeah no i agree with that um I, I, DC, I, I think, does much better on television than they do I, with film. I agree. Um, unless they make it more real world, like, say, the Nolan Batman movies. Okay. No. Which uh, I still think are the best Batman movies ever made. No. People go, but 1989. Yeah, 19, the 1989 Batman movie is terrible by comparison. It was great for the time, but it is so dated now. Somebody recently told me that I have to go to the theater to see the Harley Quinn movie because it's like one of the best movies ever. And if you like that, and if you like Justice League, and if you like the other DC movies, you'll love it. I'm like, well, you just talked me out of going to see it ever. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. No, you have to see it in the theater. It's good. Yeah, no, I'm not going to see it in the theater. Sorry. I'm curious to see what happens with the Robert Pattinson Batman that is shooting now. Uh, I'll see it. Now, eventually, I've wound up seeing them all because you know Batman was my thing growing up. But right. um, I still, for me, it doesn't get any better than Bale. Bale, don't bail on me, Bill. <laughs> my God, <laughs> I I'm glad my dog can't hear you because she's over here snoring, and I think she'd be scared by what she's hearing come out of your mouth because it's just unintelligible. Really, I didn't think it was that bad. Don't bail on me, Bill. Little little. Yeah, that was pathetic. Go, wow. Okay. Like your face. Wow. Okay. See, people, I try to be nice to him, and this is what I get. But that's all right. You know. You know. He's he's the head of the empire now. He's going to be a jerk. He's going to be a jerk. There's nothing we can do about it. So you know, he's going to play with his little toy now. So I guess so here we go. Anybody who's Patreon has already heard this. So they probably do it. We got a we got a Star Wars board cube uh, tesseract thing. Uh, from his wife down in Star Wars it's, Galaxy. It's, it's a Jedi holocron. Holocron, a Tavacron, something or other. I'd like to send you back in the Tavacron. <laughs> uh. Yeah, Mr. Atos. I'd like, I'd send you where there was nobody. I, I would send you to the equivalent of where Marriott Hartley winds up just without Marriott Hartley there. 5,000 years in Sarpedon's past is what you're saying. Sarpedon, yeah. Sarpedon, Sarpedon. Tomato, tomato. <laughs> tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> 220, 221, whatever it takes. 
I always feel like I have to, you know, yeah. end any comparison like that with a quote from Mr. Mom, which doesn't fit. I don't know why. It's, uh, I've never really, uh, never really known why you do that. It's funny. No, it's no, it's not. So many people recognize that line, though. That's what blows my mind. I'll say it, and somebody will go, "Mr. Mom." Yep, that's what been, it's from. Uh, it's never been me. It's because you're an idiot. Well, that's true. All right, idiot. You ready to do this? I sound like Dwight Schrute. Idiot. You ready to do this? <laughs> Look like him too. Speaking of which, I like him in the new uh, Caesar's Pizza commercial with the sliced bread. <laughs> sliced bread. That's like the sliced bread. I know. <laughs> anyway, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> Coconut!